Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Man, that was amazing. Watching a video, the year in review. I want to get just a little bit more specific right now. I want to talk about just a day, yesterday in fact, our annual All Is Bright service day. I want to thank two groups who made it possible. Number one, everybody who served right here in the Fraser Valley or all over the world, thank you. One of the things that we say often around here is that even if we can't fix everything, we're still going to do something. And I feel like there's a different way to say that here in November of 2020. And I would put it this way, that there's one of two ways with which you can approach life. And the first is to throw up your hands in despair and ask, why me? And the second thing that you can do is you can roll up your sleeves and ask, what now? You can throw up your hands and say, why me? Or you can roll up your sleeves and ask, what now? And for all you who served, you rolled up your sleeve and you said, what now? 2020 hasn't been easy, but what now? See, at Southside Church, we are about making an impact. Always have been, always will be. We want to make an impact on three different levels. Number one, a tangible level. We want to make a tangible impact. Because people don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care. And there's men and women and boys and girls and families in this world that desperately need a helping hand. And we want to give them that helping hand. And the second impact we want to make is we want to make a relational impact. One of the things you've heard me say before maybe is I believe for someone to feel completely hopeless, they need two things. They need to feel lost and they need to feel alone. And we want to do our part to make sure that there's nobody who feels alone. It's one of the reasons why we are building our first ever full-time facility. We want it to be a home away from home. We want Southside to be a place where you don't have to believe like we believe to belong. Or you don't have to behave like we behave to belong. See, we really believe in November of 2020 that it's just so important that you and me, that we start to think about the things that should be pulling us together instead of finding things that could tear us apart. So we want to make a tangible impact. We want to make a relational impact. And we also want to make a spiritual impact. We want to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, stepped into human history. He lived, he died, he rose again. He forgives our sins. He gives us strength for today, hope for tomorrow, and the promise of eternity. And that message, the message of the gospel, the message of performance-based acceptance, that we are accepted by our Heavenly Father because of the performance of Jesus, that message never gets old. And it changes the world one life, one story at a time. So for everybody who served, thank you for making an impact yesterday. And secondly, I just want to thank everybody who gives to the mission of Southside Church. You want to hear something crazy? 2019 was a record-setting financial year for Southside Church. A record-setting year. Well, here we are in 2020, and 2020 has looked a lot different. Here's what's crazy. We are on pace right now to beat our financial goals of 2019, to blow them out of the water, in fact. That's just amazing. In a year of quarantines and lockdowns and pandemics, here we are, and we're striding forward instead of retreating backwards. So I want to take a second right now, and I want to let you know that we're really uh, pushing towards the year end. It's funny to say the year end, the year end. (laughs) 2020 is coming to a close. Like people aren't going to have happy New Year's parties. They're going to have good riddance parties, right? So 2020 is drawing to a close, and it's amazing. And here's what we want to do. 
we want to, instead of throwing up our hands and saying, why me, why us? We want to roll up our sleeves and continue to say, what now? We want to make a bigger impact than we ever have before because I think the world needs the message of Jesus. They need tangible help. They need relational help. They need spiritual help more than they ever have. So what I want to invite you to do is I want to invite you to be praying and asking God how he would have you step out in faith to give to the mission of Southside Church, to make an impact as we close off 2020. And I see opportunities in 2021 like we've never seen before. We're not going to ask why me. We're going to push forward with what now, and we're going to see an impact like we never have before. So if you've never given to Southside Church before, man, I would love this day to be your first day. Let's go. Let's go. And if you're a regular giver, would you pray and see if God would have you step out in faith even greater as we close off 2020 and move into what I think is going to be an unbelievable 2021. So if you want to give to Southside Church, you can do it in one of two ways. You can text the keyword GIVE to 604-670-3040, or you can go on to our website, southsidelife.com. I love you guys. The best really is yet to come. So here we are in week two of this Heaven series, and I'm going to start with a story of high school Grant and high school Mike hanging out one day on a hot summer central Alberta day. Now, high school Mike is really, really thirsty, but he's also really, really broke. So he comes up with an idea. He looks over at Grant and he says, hey, Grant, you want to make a bet? Grant's like, what? Well, you want to make a bet? Well, what's the bet, Grant says? Mike says, okay, here's the bet. I'm going to ask myself a question, and then I'm going to answer my own question. And then it's your turn. You get to ask yourself a question, and then you get to answer your own question. And we will go back and forth like that until one of us asks ourselves a question that we ourselves cannot answer, and that person loses the bet. And if you lose the bet, you have to drive both of us into Red Deer to 7-Eleven and buy us both Slurpees. Does that make sense? And Grant says, well, obviously it doesn't make sense. It's nonsensical. Like this bet's going to go on forever. Mike says, well, would you just humor me? Would you just... Will you just make a bet? Grant's like, okay, okay. So Mike says, okay, I get, I get to go first. Here it is. How could a bunny rabbit dig deep into the earth without throwing any dirt onto the ground? How could a bunny rabbit dig deep into the earth without throwing any dirt onto the ground? And of course, the answer to that question, Mike said, is the answer is the bunny rabbit would start digging from the inside. And Grant looks at Mike and says, well, how would he do that? And Mike says, I don't know, Grant. That's your question. Now, I mention that because you have about 60,000 thoughts a day. And here's what's crazy. 95% of the 60,000 thoughts that you're going to have today are the same thoughts you had yesterday and last week and last month and last year. And many of those 95% of your 60,000 thoughts are questions, some of which have no easy answer. In fact, as you move forward in your life, the closer you come to answering some of these big questions, those become milestones in your life. Like philosophers say, there's kind of three main questions that frame our existence. Question of origin, purpose, and destiny. Question of origin says this, how did I get here? Purpose says this, what am I doing here? And destiny says, what happens when I'm done here? How do I get here? What am I doing here? And what happens when I'm done here? 
And so it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you grew up. It doesn't matter whether you consider yourself a spiritual or a non-spiritual person. Those three questions in so many ways will frame your existence. But, but below those big questions, there's a series of smaller questions that stay with us throughout our entire lives. I was trying to think of the first question that we ask ourselves. And I figured that question's probably mom. You say, well, that's a noun. It's not a question. Okay, mom, question mark. Mom, are you there, mom? Do you love me? Are you going to keep me warm? Are you going to keep me safe? Are you going to keep me fed? Are you going to cherish me, mom? And here's the thing. If the answer to those questions for you is yes, that's one of life's greatest blessings. So actually, you should make sure to thank your mom today. And if the answer to those questions is no, it's one of life's greatest tragedies. We get a little older, we become preschoolers, and there's one question that starts to dominate our talking, and that question is, why? 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 Why do I have to eat my vegetables? Why do I have to go to bed so early? Why can't I hang out with the older kids? Why can't I swing the cat by the tail? Why? And then around the time that we start school, there's a new question that actually starts then, but maybe extends through our entire lives. And that question is this. Do I measure up? Think about it. You walk into school on the first day, and you look around, and you wonder, can I read like the other kids? Can I learn like the other kids? Can I run as fast as the other kids? Can I make friends like the other kids? Do I measure Well, in this series, I want to suggest that there is actually another question that haunts our entire adult lives, whether we know it or not. And that question is this, what happened to the wonder? What happened to the wonder? See, I think for all of us, there's a moment that we can look back at and we say, that's the moment that I stepped out of wonder and I stepped into the world. That's the moment that I stepped out of endless possibilities into endless responsibilities. That's the moment that I stepped out of awe into exhaustion. I told you last week about growing up with my best friend, Grant King. And one day we found in our subdivision in central Alberta, a guy who fixed arcade games. He had like 20 arcade games in his garage. And we asked him if we could be his testers. And he said, yes. So we played video games all night, every night, all summer holidays. And you know what we thought? We thought, this is wonderful, wonderful, full of wonder. And when I look back at that moment, I look back with some longing. But here's the thing. I don't look back thinking to myself, man, if I could just like find a garage somewhere with 20 arcade games, my life would be amazing. Of course not. How fun would Pac-Man be today? But it's more than that. I look back at that with longing because I think to myself, man, what would it be like to delight in discovery that way again? See, I really believe that you have a heavenly father who wants you to to delight in discovery again. He made a whole universe for you to explore. He delights in your delight. I told you how Grant and I, later on, we invented uh, winter water skiing. Well, we didn't really invent it, but we thought that we invented it. You know, towing each other around by a tow rope behind a snowmobile on snow skis and hitting this jump and working on our aerials. And when I look back at that time, I look back with longing. Not necessarily because I want to go winter water skiing again. I think I'd probably hurt myself, you know? But I want to go back to that time that I could truly take joy in my ingenuity and celebrate my creativity. By the way, you have a heavenly father who loves it when you take joy in your ingenuity. He loves it when you celebrate your creativity. Not in an arrogant way, but in a grateful way. 
Do you understand? Like the God who made you, the God who thought you up, when you take joy in your ingenuity, when you celebrate your creativity, he looks at you and he says, thanks for the compliment. Talking this week to my wife, Corinne, she said, one thing you gotta be a little bit careful of, Mike, is that not everybody had parents like you had parents and not everybody had an incredible best friend like your best friend, Grant. She said, in fact, I can't remember any wonder from my childhood. And while it's true that you might not remember a Mr. Arcade moment or a winter water skiing moment, I bet if you thought real hard, you could remember some moments of wonder. Maybe there's some that go back further than you can remember. Like, how about this? The first time you crawled. Can you imagine you went from stationary to mobile? (laughs) Your parents' life got exponentially uh, more stressful, but your life became exponentially larger. Or the first time you walked, walked around, or... Or maybe there was a time that you were lying on the grass looking up at the sky, the stars at night, or the blue sky during the day, and looking at that infinite blue going on and on and on. Or maybe there was clouds out there and you couldn't believe it because it was like a kaleidoscope of your imagination. Like other people looked and all they saw was clouds, but for you, you saw shapes, you saw lions and castles and and dragons, and it was incredible. And what was happening there is you were having a Psalm 19 moment. You know, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Or maybe it was the first time you held a puppy. Or saw a bird in flight. Maybe it was the first time that you rode a tricycle. Or a two-wheeler. Or the first time you caught a football. Or maybe the first time you went off the rope swing and let go and dropped into the lake. But I really believe that throughout our adult life, there's this question that haunts us whether we know it or not. And that question is this. What happened to the wonder? And if that question fills you with longing, what I would suggest is that's a good thing. That's right. Because your longing has a fulfillment that you were meant to live in wonder. But if I ask you that question and it fills you with a sense of mourning, I would say that's wrong. If that question fills you with a sense of mourning, that's wrong. Because your wonder isn't dead, it's just buried. Let me say that again. Your wonder is not dead. It's just buried. And with God's help in this series, we're going to dig it up. I love the way God inspired the Apostle Paul to write in Romans 8. This resurrection life that you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? What happened to the wonder? If it fills you with mourning, that's wrong, because your wonder isn't dead, it's just buried. I think it's buried underneath one of two things. It's buried underneath drudgery, or it's buried underneath dread. It's under drudgery, or it's under dread. So first, maybe your wonder has been buried underneath drudgery. Drudgery is like unwonder. The best illustration I could give you of drudgery is the dull, bored look of a spoiled child on Christmas Day opening too many presents. And instead of having this enthusiastic, what's next, what's next, what's next about life, the dull, bored child feels a sense of drudgery and they lean back and say, what's next? See, drudgery kills our ability to be captivated by wonder. Jack Higgins is one of the best-selling authors of all time. He's written 85 books. One of those books, The Eagle Has Landed, sold 50 million copies by itself. And not long ago, somebody asked Jack Higgins, if you could go back and talk to young Jack, 
what's one thing that you would want to tell him? And he said this. He said, I would want to tell young Jack Higgins that when you get to the top, there's nothing there. See, the most devastating moments in life, maybe they're not failing to achieve that thing that you wanted to achieve. Maybe the most devastating moments in life are when you achieve that thing that you were convinced was going to satisfy, and it leaves you empty. That's drudgery. I see drudgery a little bit uh, in people who just live for the weekend. I mean, for them, the week is just something to get over with. They miss everything. They just go through the motions for the week, and they get to the weekend, and their hopes are so high, and then you see them again on Monday morning, and they're a little bit tired and a little bit bleary-eyed, and you get the sense that it didn't quite satisfy. Or people who live for that next vacation. They go through the motion for months and months and months looking forward to that big day, that big week, that big moment. And they get back from their vacation a little bit blurry-eyed, a little bit exhausted. And you get the sense that it wasn't quite everything that they had hoped that it would be. Drudgery kills our ability to be captivated by wonder. The second thing that could bury our wonder is dread. Man, I, I don't have to explain this to you in November of 2020. I remember in November of 2019, I was looking ahead to 2020, and it hit me. Wait a minute, 2020? That's like a vision term. You know, I got 2020 vision. Like, I figured that out probably about, like, two years after everybody else did, but I thought it was so smart, and I, so I kept saying this, man, I got a vision for 2020. I got a vision for 2020. Well, here's the thing. Looking back right now, I don't think anybody had a vision for 2020. I don't think anybody saw this coming. I don't think anybody saw a 2020 with quarantines and pandemics and lockdowns and restrictions and injustice and hatred and polarization and and a society that felt like it was tearing apart and this overarching feeling of fear. And so this wonder, this, this life of wonder that God wants us to have leans in and says, what's next? What's next? Drudgery says, I'm going to lean back and go, what's next? Well, dread does this. Dread has us like chicken little cowering because the sky is falling and we're saying, what's next? See, life will do that to you. Instead of amazement, you're filled with anxiety. Not long ago, my dad told me a story when he was four, maybe five years old, growing up in Holland. He was with his dad or in the barn one day and they were doing chores and his, his dad, my grandpa, told him to pump some water. And if you know my dad at all, you know that anything he does, he does it 110% with his whole heart. And so I can just imagine him at four, maybe five years old, pumping water for his dad as hard as he could. And I guess maybe he was too enthusiastic. He was pumping too much water because at one point his dad looked at him and said, do that one more time. Now, if my dad would have been 14 or 15 years old, he would have seen the menace in that statement. He would have known that what his dad meant when he said, do that one more time, was you better not do that one more time. But my dad was four, maybe five years old, and so when his father said to him, do that one more time, he pumped one more time for all he was worth. And his father backhanded him across the face so hard that the next thing my dad knew, he woke up on the other side of the stall, looking up flat on his back. And here's the amazing thing about that sad story. That's a little bit like life sometimes, isn't it? Like maybe for you, wasn't when you were four or five. Maybe it was when you were 14 or 15, 11 or 12, 19 or 20, 29 or 30. And you got that call. You got that report. You had that breakup, that betrayal. And it left you reeling. 
Or maybe it wasn't even anything that happened to you, but you look around this world that's so difficult and you're filled with anxiety instead of amazement. And so instead of leaning into life going, what's next? You're cowering down going, what's next? See, I really believe that in our entire adult life, we're haunted with the question, whether we know it or not. And that question is, what happened to the wonder? And I want to suggest to you that if that question fills you with longing, that's right. It should, because there's a fulfillment to that longing, that you were made to live in wonder. But if that question fills you with a sense of mourning, that's wrong. Because your wonder is not dead, it's buried. And with God's help in this series, we're going to dig it back up. I love what C.S. Lewis had to say about wonder. There's all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it to you. But they never quite keep their promise. Now, there are two wrong ways of dealing with this fact and one right one. The fool's way. He puts the blame on the things themselves. He goes on all his life thinking that if only he had tried another woman or went for a more expensive holiday or whatever it is, then this time he really would catch the mysterious something that we're all after. They spend their whole lives trotting from woman to woman through the divorce courts, from continent to continent, from hobby to hobby, always thinking that the latest is the real thing at last and always disappointed. The second wrong way is the way of the disillusioned, sensible man. He soon decides that the whole thing was moonshine. Of course, he says, one feels like that when one's young, but by the time you get to my age, you've given up chasing the rainbow's end. And so he settles down and learns not to expect too much and represses the part of himself, which used, as he would say, to cry for the moon. But then there's the Christian way. The Christian says... Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger, well, there's such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim, well, there's such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire, well, there's such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it. To suggest the real thing. If that's so, I must take care on the one hand, never to despise or be unthankful for these earthly blessings. And on the other, never to mistake them for the something else of which they are only a kind of copy or echo or mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find till after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of my life to press on to that other country and to help others to do the same. Jesus said it this way in John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. See, here's the crazy thing. Listen to this. When I look back at those Mr. Arcade moments with longing for the past, I don't realize it, but I'm also longing for the future. When I look back at those winter water skiing moments and I'm longing for the past, I don't realize it, but I'm also longing for the future. On just the other side of eternity, when every question that I have will be answered, when every longing will be fulfilled, an eternity of wonder, and when I arrive in heaven, I'll realize that I spent my whole life homesick for a place that I've never been. So someday, someday, all will be well.
But one of the things I think is really important that you and I realize is that when we think about someday, it's going to change the way that we live this day. Well, let me read you a quote by G.K. Chesterton. I read it to you last week, but listen to it again. He says this, Because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again, and the grown-up person does it again until he's nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exalt in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exalt in monotony. It's possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our Father is younger than we. See, I believe in this series, God wants us to get younger at the soul level. Listen to this, Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. We gotta grow younger. See, I believe that God's gonna restore your wonder this day today from the inside out. So remember I told you at the beginning of the sermon that when I look back at the Mr. Arcade moments with longing, it's not because I really want to go play Pac-Man. It's because I want to have that kind of soul again that delights in discovery. And God delights when I delight. And he wants to open that up in your life again. He wants you to go younger at the soul level. Or when I look back at winter water skiing, it's not so much I want to go winter water skiing again. It's I want to take joy in my ingenuity, I want to celebrate my creativity, not with a sense of arrogance, but with a sense of gratitude for the Heavenly Father who made me. And he takes joy in my joy, and he celebrates my celebration, and he says, thank you for the compliment. That's the journey that God wants to take us on. See, if I ask you this question, what happened to your wonder? It should not fill you with a sense of mourning. Because your wonder isn't dead, it's just buried. And with God's help, we're going to dig it up. You say, how? Well, I I want to close today with a really simple story with profound implications. So I really want you to listen, okay? So about three weeks ago, my wife Corinne and I were staying at a cabin right on the Okanagan Lake. We hung out there for a week. It was just awesome. And so one day in the late afternoon, Corinne says to me, hey, you know what I want for supper tonight? I want chicken strips. I'm like, that's always a good choice. So she says, um, do you want to drive into Kelowna and get us some chicken strips? And I did. It was about a 25-minute drive from, uh, from the cabin into Kelowna to get those chicken strips. And so I jumped in the car, and I headed uh, towards Kelowna. Now, I want to call a timeout. What I ended up buying that night was what I think are the best chicken strips in Canada, okay? So um, if you want to know what the best chicken strips in Canada are, you can actually email me, mike at southsidelife.com, and I will tell you. Or if you think that you know what the best chicken strips in Canada are, you could email me and tell me that because I would always be willing to try. Okay, so anyways, I'm driving from the cabin towards Kelowna to pick up these chicken strips. And I'm just full of wonder. Just what a great week, what a great day. And I'm driving and on, the, on my left is Okanagan Lake. And it's getting dark and so I can see across the lake, the city of Kelowna, the lights are reflecting into the water. I see the bridge, the lights on the bridge reflecting up ahead of me. And I'm just driving. 
And then all of a sudden, dread jumped in for the drive. So I started being filled with this feeling of dread. It's like instead of amazement, I started feeling anxiety. And it's kind of hard to explain if you've never experienced it. But basically what happens is inside of me all of a sudden, I start to be filled with all these fears about stuff that I can't control. Okay, so I, I start to be fearful of uh, family stuff, relationship stuff, uh, health stuff. And, and, it, and it just starts to roll. And it starts to go. And what, what, what started out just as an amazing drive on a beautiful afternoon turned into just a time of anxiety. And I hate it so much because I'm looking, right, and the lake is beautiful and the lights are beautiful, but it doesn't matter where I am in that moment. You get what I mean? Like I could be on a beach in Bora Bora. I, I, I could be up on top of the, the lift at Blackcomb, but it doesn't matter. My external doesn't matter anymore because what's going on inside of me wrecks all of it. So I'm driving down that road and I just cried out to God. I'm like, God, please help me. And he gave me one simple phrase. And here's that simple phrase. Listen. It's, it's really simple, but it's super important. I really want you to write it down, okay? Here it is. Be thankful for now. Be thankful for now. So, so I, want, I want to break that down a little bit. So first of all, when I say be thankful, well, what, we, we, be thankful to who? Well, what I want to suggest is that you should be thankful to God, that you have a heavenly Father who loves you so much. He likes you too, and he's proud of you, and he's with you. He, he, he sent his son to die for you, so your sins are forgiven you have the strength to live today. You have hope for tomorrow because you know he's going to be with you come what may. And then you have the promise of eternal life. And we're going to get later on in this series, I want to talk to you about how amazing heaven is going to be. Beyond our ability to even understand, but I'm going to try. It's going to be incredible. But we're thankful because we have a heavenly father who is with us, who is for us. And even at times in our lives when we feel like things are out of control, he loves us and he's always in control. So number one, your heavenly father is faithful. So number two, be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful. See, gratitude will defeat drudgery, won't it? Gratitude will defeat drudgery. About six weeks ago, I started every morning writing down three things that I'm thankful for, every single morning. And you know what's crazy? I haven't run out. Could I suggest that you do the same? That you start to look around the world for all the things that you can be grateful for? It's actually amazing. You might look at me and go, oh, come on, Mike. You have so much to be thankful for. It's easy for you. Can, can, I, can I ask you with all due respect, can I ask you just to look a little bit harder? Look a little bit harder. Look a little bit deeper. You know, it's funny because some of you probably say, you were going, hey, hey, you're at, you're, you're, you're at a cabin in the Okanagan Lake with your wife, and for dinner, you're having chicken strips. Not filet mignon, not lobster, not salmon, but chicken strips. Yeah, and they were incredible. And I'm so grateful for them. It's amazing. See, I think what's going to happen is when you're thankful, it's going to defeat drudgery in your life. Okay? So be thankful for now. For when? For now. Be thankful for right now. The Protestant reformer Martin Luther said, there's only two days on my calendar, this day and that day. See, we know what's going to happen that day. That day we're going to arrive in heaven and all our deepest needs are going to be met and we're going to live in an eternity of wonder and it's going to be wonderful. But this day, this day, this day 
is the day that we have right here and right now. This is the moment right now. This is the moment that time touches eternity. This is it. This is it. And this is the day that we have. And and, and so I want to be here, like right here, right now. I don't know exactly what tomorrow is going to look like. Like I'm here in this day and I'm looking forward to that day, but there's a whole bunch of stuff between this day and that day, and I can't control that. But right now, I have this day. Do you understand? Be thankful for now. Your heavenly Father is faithful. You're grateful, and you're right here. Do you understand? You're right here. You're fully present in today. My Father is faithful. I'm grateful, and I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm right here. That's it. What what happened to the wonder? It's not dead. It just got buried. And with God's help, honestly, with God's help, we're going to dig it up. So as I close today, I just want to ask you, and do do you want to go younger at the soul level? Do you want God to restore your soul, renew your youth? Well, I know what the first step is, that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into human history so that you don't have to carry the baggage from your past around with you anymore. He died on the cross so that your sins could be forgiven. He rose again so that you could have strength right now, right now, and the assurance that on that day, you'll be with him forever. So man, if you've never prayed that prayer, I wanna invite you to do that right now. I'm gonna pray out loud, no matter where you are watching right now, just ask that you would pray silently along with me. Let's pray. So dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. And Jesus, today I want to ask you to be my savior, that you would forgive all my sins, that I don't have to carry that baggage around with me anymore. And I also want to invite you to be my Lord. Thank you that you died for me, but you rose again for me too. That you would give me the strength to live this day and the promise of an incredible that day. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. So man, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to invite you just to take a second and text the keyword LIFE to 604-670-3040. You know you can always email me, Mike at Southside Life. I'd love to connect with you. But really not because we want to stalk you. We just want to support you. This Christian life, it's lived one step at a time with support from other people. And for all of us, I want to invite you back. Let's make it a priority to be here every week of this series. Because here's the thing. Wonder isn't dead. It's just buried. And with God's help in this series, we're going to dig it up. And it's going to be great. I love you. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.